series called Finding Peace in a World of Chaos, and chaos is all around us in 2021, and uh, uh, there's so many things that are going on, and the reason we're in this series, this is part two of the series, is because uh, I was doing some studying and found one of the greatest needs in 2021 uh, is, has been mental health. And we've seen and studies have been shown that I've sh- I went over this last week in the message that studies have been done by the CDC, by Barna Research Group, uh, U.S. News report, uh, U.S. News.com report, all these things talking about the rise of anxiety and mental disorders uh, in America mainly. And a lot of these things have been brought on by the pandemic. A lot of these things have been brought on by all the chaos in the world with what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going on in our whole political system uh, with the pandemic, with the vaccine, with your political party. And now we're trying to get the governor out and they're trying to put a new one in and there's just chaos everywhere. The economy's in, in disarray. Your favorite restaurant has to shut down two days a week because don't nobody want to work. I mean, there's this chaos all around us, but we need to understand that God has an answer for that. And he does not expect us to respond the same way to tough problems and tough things when you have God on your side. Amen. Are y'all going to make me work for my amens today? I said, amen. Now, listen, you need to be ready to receive the word. All right. You need to be ready to pull this thing in. Last week, we talked about how important it is to understand the voice of the shepherd and to hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And so I want to make sure that you're leaning into the voice of God this morning. OK, so we're going to start with our text that we're doing this whole series around. And that is John chapter 10, verse 25 and 29. You can go ahead and put that on the screen. It says this, Jesus answered them. And who was them? We talked about last week. He's talking about he's talking to the church folks of his day. All right. The context of this in John 10, he is preaching on Solomon's porch and he's preaching to the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people that were keeping the law to the best of their ability, the people that went to temple regularly. He's talking to them. 
The same way he would be talking to you and I as churchgoers here this morning. And listen, listen to what he says to them. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. And as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life that they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Let's pray. Father, we just invite your presence to be here today. Let your voice emanate through this place. And may we learn a new truth to put into action to make sure that we can always find peace in a time of chaos. Lord, we ask this in your holy name. Amen and amen. Now, uh, you know, in a message like this, you got to understand either you need it today or you're going to need it tomorrow, but you're going to need it. I wish I could be a preacher that could get up here and tell you now that you're serving Jesus, everything is going to be a-okay. They're not going to have any problems. You're not going to go through anything. You're not going to have any surprises of life. I wish I could say that, but I can't. Because the Bible teaches that the, it rains on the just and the unjust. That means we live in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, things are imperfect. And so what that means is I'm going to have some good days and I'm going to have some bad days. We live in a, in a world of seasons where there's summer, winter, spring, and fall. And so my life and your life is going to have seasons like that. Can I get an amen? The quicker you understand this, the quicker you don't freak out. It's like what Pastor Jesse was sharing in that story. If you learn how things work, you can, be more, you can get the blessing in those things. And so there's good days, there's bad days. There's summer, winter, spring, and fall. Don't freak out when it's winter. Come on, somebody. What's a winter season? Well, in winter season, the sun don't shine that bright. Did y'all notice that? In California anyways, I know there's parts of, of the world that don't have seasons, but in California, you know what? We got seasons, and in the winter, nobody's out there trying to get a suntan. Because the sun doesn't shine as bright as the winter, in the winter, amen? It's cold. The sun goes down earlier. Y'all ready for that? Daylight savings is over. Right now, it gets dark close to 9 o'clock, a few weeks. Sun starts going down around 5 o'clock. So the sun is not shining as bright. It's not as warm. It's cold. It's dark. But hang on. Summer will come. And it'll get bright again. Come on, somebody. Some of you don't like summer. You can't wait for fall right now. I see you. You're ready to get all your warm clothes out, hoodies and all that stuff. But that's fine. But my point is this. Don't quit in a dark season. Don't quit. Understand everything has seasons and your season is coming. We've been in a tough time as a nation. We've been in a tough time as a planet, as a human race with this pandemic. And people are freaking out. Freaking out about COVID. Freaking out about the vaccine. I mean, come on. Now you can, we're freaking about, out about the Republicans. Freaking out about the Democrats. Freaking out if you have a job. Freaking out if you don't have a job. 
I mean, everything is in chaos. But here's the thing your heavenly father wants you to know. He has made provision for you in chaos. Last week, we talked about the, the top three nations in the world that lead the, the world in, in, in mental illness and mental disorders. And that's India and China, in which both of those, we say, okay, that's just because of the population. They're going to have more mentally disturbed or, or, or disorders there. But then the third nation doesn't make much sense if you're going by population. And the third nation is the United States of America. We're third in mental illness in the entire world. Barna Research did a, a study and they found that mental illness is affecting Christians just as much as, as people that don't know God. And I have a problem with that. Because if God is on my side, I should be different. If God is on your side, life should look different. Come on, if it don't look different, let's just go back to our sinful ways. Listen, if my marriage isn't going to be better because God is in it, then why am I serving a God like that? When God gives us promises and he tells us, if you follow me, these things will happen in your life. But yet we don't see things happening that way. Many times there's a problem and we've got to address that problem. And that's what we're trying to do in this series right now. And, and we talked about what this, this problem is, is that chaos brings disorder. And many times the anxiety and the fears and all these things we, we are feeling, they're symptoms that your life is out of order. And we talked about getting things in order. We'll, we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. And then we talked about the fact of John 10, 10, John 10 there where Jesus says, my sheep. And I kept saying, well, why is God called a sheep? That's not a very cool animal. I'd rather be a stallion. I'd rather be a lion. How about a flock of cheetahs or something like that? But no, he calls us lambs. He calls us, he calls us sheep. And we looked at the why that is because sheep are defenseless. Sheep have no sense of direction. Sheep are not meant to carry burdens. Sheep cannot care for themselves when they're wounded. And he says, you're a sheep. And what's significant about that is if you're a sheep, guess what? You need a shepherd because you can't do this thing on your own. You weren't made to carry burdens. You weren't made to make this thing happen. You weren't made to figure it all out. I, people say, that's a, oh, I'm just trying to figure out life. No, you weren't made to. You need a shepherd. And if you listen to your shepherd, Jesus Christ, everything's going to be okay. But sometimes we forget we're a sheep. We forget we're a lamb. And we just try to do things on our own. And we, and we try to fight through life. But you're defenseless. Jesus called you a sheep, you're a sheep. I'm a sheep. And the quicker you find out, if I'm going to make it through this life, it's, it's going to be because I listen to my shepherd's voice, the better off you're going to be. Some of y'all still trying to make it through the abuse you went through as a kid. Listen, let Jesus take that burden. Jesus came and he said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. What he was saying is, you ain't made to carry that, that load. Single mom, oh my gosh, well, how am I going to do it? You ain't made to carry that. Give it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Get Jesus involved in how you're going to raise your kid as a single mom or as a single dad or how you're going to pay your bills or how you're going to make it in this career, whatever it is. You better get Jesus involved. Amen? 
And so we talked about that. Well, today I want to turn the corner here and I want to get into another thought. Let's look at Psalms chapter 23. And this is a very famous psalm uh, uh, for the Hebrews, for the Israelites. They used this psalm in a lot of traditional ceremonies and celebrations. Whenever they would gather for feasts, they would read this psalm. But there's so much truth in this psalm. And I believe it's also one of the things that Jesus was referring to when he called us sheep. He was referring to a biblical term uh, of, of you and I. And look what it says here in Psalms 23. Uh, King David wrote this many years before Jesus Christ even came to the earth. It says this, and you probably know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for my namesake. And yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are you guys catching that right now? See, what I need you to catch is the meat that is in here. I need you to reach up as a mature Christian right now and not just hear that and go, oh, that's such a nice psalm. No, there's revelation in there that you got to unpack. First of all, David sees here, the Lord is my shepherd. So I'm going to be okay. I shall not want. Put that up on the screen, guys. Stay with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know what he's saying there? I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Why? Because God's got me. I wish I could get some churches and some Christians to act like you know that God has you. But no, what do we do? We freak out. I lost my job. We freak out. We get sick. We freak out. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to be the same again. Wait a minute. The Lord is your shepherd. He's got you. Come on, tell your neighbor, he's got me. Tell him, I don't know about you. Uh-oh, come on. But he's got me. So David has this incredible confidence. Let's keep reading. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Then he says something else here. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Listen, we're talking about finding peace in a world of chaos. And David says right here, the Lord is the one that leads me to peace because I don't know too many more things that are more peaceful than laying down, come on, in some green pastures. You know what he's saying here? It's Jesus that leads me to peace. Not you. Not you. Have you ever found when you are led to take care of your life, you usually jack it up? Isn't that probably why we all came to Christ or those of us that have? I came to Christ because at 19 years old, I saw if I continue making my decisions my way and if I keep my life about me, I'm going to lead my life in a direction that I don't want it to go in. And when I came in and I said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You know what I did? I gave him the reins of my life. And I began to read my Bible and I began to say, God, teach me how to live. Because the way I'm living ain't working. 
The way I'm living is taking me down a path I don't want to go down. It's full of heartache. It's full of anxiety. It's full of hell. And it leads to hell, the Bible says. So I gave him the reins, and so did you. And what David is reminding himself right now is this, that when you need peace, follow your shepherd because it's him that's going to lead you to lie down in green pastures. How does a shepherd lead? Well, he uses his voice. That's what we talked about last week. You better hear the voice of God when you come to church. You're going to have to look past me. You're going to have to look past my corny jokes. You're going to have to look past my voice. And you're going to have to look and, and lean in and be able to hear, ooh, that was God, what he just said right there. Ooh, that was for my situation right there. Ooh, God speaking right there. You got to be able to grab that because when you can, you got to understand God's ultimate goal, Jesus' goal, the shepherd's goal is to get you to a green pasture. But can I tell you what is the problem for some of us? You just don't listen. Tell your neighbor. Tell them mean too. You don't listen. Tell them. Tell them, eh? Tell them. I know your wife's going to be mad at you, but just tell her. Hey, blame me. Blame me. I told you to say that. Some of you have been waiting to say that for a long time. We don't listen. We don't listen. Jesus is trying to get you to a green pasture. But I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go to church every Sunday. I don't want to give. I don't want to give my tithe. I don't want to serve. Jesus is going, hey, but over here is where the green pastures are. It don't look green. How do you know it's green? That's, that's what's going on in our, our heads. But if we would get a revelation like David and just understand he's the shepherd he leads. And here's the cool thing you got to know. This is where he leads. He's trying to lead you to a green pasture. But here's, here's the icing on the cake, right? He's not just trying to get you to a green pasture. He's trying to get you there so you can lay down. Ooh. How many of y'all like to lay down? How many wish you was laying down right now in your nice bed? laying down. Jesus said, I want you to lay down. It's cool. It's peaceful. He don't put us to work there. He says, now just lay down. That's your shepherd. But you know what? You don't listen. You don't listen. And he'll tell you the way to get there. Way to get to the green pastures. You might have to climb over some rocks. You might have to be uncomfortable for a second. You might have to walk alone. But at the end of the day, he's going to get you those green pastures. Why don't we listen? You want to know why? Because you forget you're a sheep. See, remember, sheep have no sense of direction. We talked about last week. Why is that significant? Because you got to understand, sheep will just follow the herd. And that's dangerous. You want to know why? Because they don't know where they're going. And there's been instances where one sheep will fall off a cliff. Guess what happens to all the sheep in that flock? They all go down the cliff. They all go down the cliff because they don't know where they're going. Can I just tell you, I've seen people do the exact same thing. But a sheep that listens to their shepherd's voice, he don't go down that route. He ain't going down that way. So many Christians so tied up trying to fit in with everybody. Hey, let me just tell you right now, you don't fit in. You ain't going to fit in. 
But guess what? You also ain't going to fall off a cliff. And your kids will be blessed. And they won't marry crazy people. And they'll have a life of order. But guess what? You got to listen first. Are you tracking with me? You got to be the first to listen. You got to be the first to finally submit and go, God, why am I fighting you? You're just trying to take me to a green pasture. And not only are you trying to get me there, you trying to get me to go to sleep there. That's a good God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, that's a good God. Let's keep reading. Here's what else it says. He leads me beside still waters. Ooh, still waters. Waters that are peaceful. Waters that are refreshing. Listen, this is what God is trying to get you to. Look what else it says. He restores my mind, my soul. He restores your soul. You know, I know your job's driving you crazy. I know. I know your kid's driving you crazy. Come on, I know your husband driving you crazy. I know your man driving you crazy. But guess what? If you let Jesus lead you, he'll restore your soul. So that you don't have to be crazy. And then drive everybody else crazy. Are you tracking with me today? So he restores my soul. Look what else he says. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, you know, that's that part right there where I feel like David's just going. And even if I make some mistakes, even if I do something dumb, how many are grateful for that? How many have ever done some dumb stuff? How many are still doing dumb stuff? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But what he's basically saying right here is even when I do some dumb stuff and I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear because he's still with me and he'll still be there for me. I'll fear no evil for you are with me. And then he says this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Translation, I like your rod and I like your staff. You know what the rod and the staff is? Instruction and correction. Instruction and correction. David says, I don't see those as bad things anymore. You know what he says? I like them. They comfort me. I know that when I get off, your word's going to correct me. I know that when I get off, consequences are going to correct me. I know that when I get off and you have to send somebody, you have to correct me through my husband. Come on, ladies. Got no amens on that. Baby, you should at least give me an amen on that one, baby. Man. I said, sometimes when God's got to correct you, he sends your husband. Amen. I see y'all leaving me hanging. Do I need to preach on order in the home? My God, the ladies ain't liking that. I'm going to try one more again, okay? I said, sometimes the Lord will have to speak to you and correct you through your husband. There's my saved women in the house right there. Sometimes he may have to correct you through your wife. Amen, fellas. See, the fellas get it. The fellas get it. We've been teaching. Y'all need to go to Propel. Y'all need to add a session to Propel. Amen. Woo. Somebody got bold in the back. Listen, if you need marriage counseling, just call us up, baby. Yeah, the lights are off, so someone's real brave right there. <laughs> Throwing their voice. Preach, amen. That wasn't me, that wasn't me. My point is this. Whoever the correction's coming from, I welcome it if it's from you, God. I welcome it. 
If you're going to correct me through the word, correct me. If you're going to correct me through my spouse, correct me. If you're going to correct me through my pastor, correct me. I welcome it. Why? Because it shows me you're taking care of me. That's what he's saying here. And then he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He goes on to talk about you anointing, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. What that means there is I'll have more than enough. What do you do with a cup that's overflowing? You pour it into other cups and you share that thing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, what's happening here is David is giving us a revelation, y'all. You need your shepherd. You need a shepherd. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. You need him. You're trying to lead businesses without him. I don't understand that. You're trying to build things without him. You're trying to build a marriage. You're trying to raise a kid without him. You're just a sheep and you need him. And here's the key. If we can get you to listen to his voice, he will lead you to still waters. See, some of you still waters sounds like a fantasy because you was raised at raging waters. <laughs> Going over to your house and plates flying and people yelling and two TVs turned on full blast and somebody's listening to hip hop in the backyard ain't even nobody in the backyard but the radio's in the backyard you don't have the couch in the living room you got it in the front yard you got some a car I'm, I'm, I'm getting too specific here but my point is this there was no peace there was no peace God wants you to have peace so David writes this amazing psalm right here right most scholars believe that he wrote this in a very tumultuous time in his life, a time when everything was wrong. This is what I want you to catch as we're talking about finding peace in a world of chaos. Bible scholars believe that during the time of him penning this psalm, his son Absalom was dividing his kingdom in a civil war. He was grief-stricken, heartbroken, stressed. I mean, think about that. David was a shepherd boy, so when he governed, he leaned on God. He recognized, God, you took me from obscurity in a field watching sheep to now being the king of a powerful nation. And he governed and he ruled, hanging on to God the entire time. He had his mistakes. He made his mistakes. But he stayed with the Lord, and even through all that, he had a son named Absalom. Now, fathers, this will cut you right in that spot there because as his, as his son grew, old, grew up, Absalom brought nothing but pain into his father's heart. Let me tell you, men, don't be that kind of son that brings pain to your father's heart. David had worked so hard, given up so much, sacrificed so much to be a successful king, and his very son comes and tries to steal the kingdom from him. And he did it in such divisive ways. You need to read the story. But it got so bad that blood had to be shed. And there was a civil war in Israel. Brother against brother. Family against family. Families dying, shedding blood because of David's very own son. Talk about heartache. Talk about being grief-stricken. Stressed. Anxious. Every bit of emotion that you and I go through, I'm sure David felt at this time. The people now turning on him. What are you going to do, king? 
This is your son. Going through all that chaos. And here's the kicker. He pulls away and he writes this song. When, when life is bad, this is where he took himself. Reminding himself that God's going to take care of me. And he's a good shepherd. And the destination that a good shepherd has for his, for his sheep is to get me over the hill to a green pasture where I can lay down and rest. That's where David went to get peace. And this is what I'm telling you today. This is where you and I need to learn to go. When chaos is breaking out all around us, the marriage is not going good, the kids ain't acting right, the money ain't right, the bills are piling up, whatever it is, you got to be able to close your eyes, go into your room, and find that place to where you go, God, I know you take care of me. You're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of my money. You're going to take care of my situation, my marriage. And even though it looks bad, you're going to take care of me. Amen? But there's some things we need to learn from this. We need to learn that God has an answer for your anxiety. He's got an answer. Now, I know, I know medicine has an answer. They'll give you a pill. They'll prescribe some medication. And we can look at that. And again, I always get myself in trouble. But I got to tell you, if you're on meds, take your meds. Amen? Don't get it twisted. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, take your meds. Take them. Come on, take them. Uh, listen, I got to make this clear because whenever I get, my, I get on this, people go, oh, are you saying not to take the meds? No, I'm not saying that. Don't sue me. It's on record now. Take your meds. Amen? But here's what I'm saying. God has a greater answer because meds can treat to help you cope. But God can completely remove so that it's not a part of your life. Listen, yesterday was September 11th and uh, I watched a couple documentaries, the one on Netflix. Both of them are amazing. The one on Netflix is actually a series and uh, the one uh, on Apple TV is one I was watching where they're actually interviewing President George Bush and they're asking him what was going on. And many of you might remember that morning when they went, he was at a school speaking to uh, elementary school students. And the, one of the uh, assistants came and whispered in his ear, both of the towers have been attacked by planes. And President Bush just sat there calm and he began to say in the interview, he said, I knew in that moment when I got that news, I needed to remain calm and in control for the sake of the nation. And some of you might have saw it. he sat there in that chair, bit his lower lip and just kind of held it together for the sake of the other people in the room. Folks, that's leadership. And I wish I could get a mom that would do the same for her family. I wish I could get a dad that could hold it together for the sake of his kids. Because that's leadership. And that's the reason I'm preaching this word to you today because you can have that kind of leadership if you can learn to find peace in a world of chaos. When you lose the job, when you go to the doctor and they say, oh, we found a lump. Hey, cry for a minute, but you better pull away and you better strengthen yourself in the Lord. That's what David did. David knew how to find peace 
in chaos. Do you? Or do you fall asleep? Do you just medicate? Do you just fall to pieces? Let's give you another instance here. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. Again, David is in a tough situation. But this time we're going back even further to his teenage years. And David is tending sheep. And his dad says, hey, I need you to take these burritos over here to the army and go feed your brother. I'm sure David was like, man, can't do nothing. Take this. He takes his burritos or whatever they were. And he goes up there. And all of a sudden he begins to see and hear a problem. The problem's name was Goliath. And don't get it twisted. This was a personal problem. Because what Goliath begins to spew is, we're going to conquer you guys. Send me your best champion. If I beat him, you guys all become our slaves. Everything you have is ours. If your guy beats me, vice versa. And guess what? Not a single Christian, or excuse me, Israelite, steps up to the plate. And now David, this, this kid, this teenage kid, hears these threats, and it's personal. You want to know why it's personal? Because what this problem has just told him is, David, you're going to be a slave. And we're going to take that land that your daddy has, that's your inheritance, and we're going to take them sheep that you're watching every day, and that's going to become ours. And you ain't going to have anything. We're taking your sisters, your mom, everything. Talk about chaos. David hears that, looks around, looks at his brothers. What are we going to do about this? You know what they tell him? Shut up. You're just a scrub. You're over here. Just bring us our lunch. Get on out of here. He said, what did I say wrong? Read the story. It's, it's comical. He says, what did I say wrong? He goes, I'll fight this thing. You'll fight this thing. Man, take this fool over to go see King Saul. And this is where the fun starts. King Saul brings him in. And he says, huh. You're just a kid. You can't defeat this giant. Why do you want to face this problem? And look what it says here in verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear showed up and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. I struck it. I killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Do you see what David is doing here? David is encouraging himself in the face of an adversary. And the adversary is Saul's voice. You can't do it. You're just a kid. And look what he does. He reminds himself of what God has already done in his life. Let me put it to you like this. Saul represents the circumstances. Do y'all know your circumstances shout at you? Do y'all know that? That's why some of you are so depressed, because you only listen to your circumstances. Your circumstances are loud. Whoo, they're loud. Your bills, they be talking to you, right? It's payday. You're like, hey, payday, just got paid Friday. Night. And your bill's like, no, no, you got bills, baby. Give me that check. 
And there goes your joy. Huh? Well, you know, I, I'll pay some of it. I still got money. The bill say, nope, they, even what you got ain't enough. I got you. Your joy goes. Because your bills speak. Your situations speak. You know what else speaks? The pain in your body. Come on. Some of you listening to that voice every morning you get up. Aye, aye. You know what that thing's saying? Ha ha. You getting old. You're getting old and you got problems in your body. And then you're just like, oh, and that thing starts speaking to you. You know what that pain is? That's osteoporosis, baby. You got it. You don't even know what osteoporosis is. You saw a commercial for some medication that mentioned osteoporosis. And now you're going to your wife, uh, I think I got osteoporosis. What do you mean? You think you don't even know what it is. But guess what? You're rehearsing what you're hearing and what's speaking to you, circumstances. That's why some of you are freaking out because every time you get a headache in this COVID day and age, you're thinking, oh my gosh, is this COVID? Oh, I'm a little hot. It's a little hot in here. I got a fever. Is this COVID? Because every symptom's going, I got you. You're sick. You ain't going to make it. And you just sit there listening to it. You just listen to it. What would have happened if David would have listened to that? I'm glad he didn't because he teaches us not to listen to those things. Quit listening to the voices of your circumstances. You ain't never going to find a man. Oh, really? Talk back to it. You don't know. Oh, yes, I do. You've been single so long now. And the last three guys you met, losers. You ain't never going to get them. And some of you just don't, you just sit there in your bed eating chips. Oh, yeah, it's probably true. I'm never going to find a man. Come on, your problems speak to you. And then they lie to you. You know, you could find a man, though, if you do it the old way. Now that voice got you going on Instagram. You know where I'm going. Posting sexy pics. First of all, you got kids. Have some pride. Second of all, if you use that bait, think about the person that likes that kind of bait. A man of God don't like that bait. A man of God's gonna see that pick and go, ooh, she got problems, she got, she got devils. I'm not marrying Jezebel. A man of God's gonna say, ooh, she too thirsty. She fine, but she too thirsty. Fishing with the wrong bait, and why are you doing that? Because you're listening to your circumstances. Circumstances talk, Goliath was loud. And then not even was it Goliath, it was Saul. Saul represents, you can't do it, you're just a kid, how's it going to happen? But I think, I'm so thankful that David knew his God. And he knew how to get God to rise up big in him. And you got to catch this key today. You talk about hearing the voice, he's getting ready to speak to you right now. See, David understood the way to get God to rise up big in him was to give God praise for what he already did. So Saul is saying, you can't, you won't, there's no way, what are you even doing here? And David rose up and said, you don't understand. I'm a teenager and I killed a lion. 
Y'all, see, we read the Bible sometimes like it's a fairy tale. It's not. Think about your teenager. Come on, little Julio. Little Taylor. Your teen, Charles, taking on a lion. He's laughing. He goes, oh, that ain't happening. You know why? Because it's almost impossible for little Diego to take on a lion. He's going to get eat unless, unless God showed up. Which must have been what happened for David. God rose up in David, and David supernaturally threw a Dragon Ball Z on him. I don't know, just, just, and, just, and just took out that lion. I don't know. But David knew that God showed up and I killed a lion. But that's not all. He said, I also killed a bear. Again, teenage boy killing a bear? Where does that happen at? It don't happen unless God shows up. And David knew it was God. David knew it was God. And he says, hey, God will once again help me. He's with me. When he saw this giant, he goes, God already has helped me defeat two other things. He'll help me with this one. So there's something else happening in the story here that you got to catch. Saul represents a different order of believer. Saul represents the Christians that associate with God just through their church attendance. See, Saul was an Israelite, and he served the Israelites. He was the king of the Israelites, the people of God, but he didn't know God. So you know what that tells me? You could be a Christian that serves the people of God, but you don't know God. Saul was king of the people of God, but didn't know God. And when he was faced with some chaos, he was faced with a challenge, he did nothing. But David, David didn't have a title. David didn't have a position. He simply knew his God. And he knew how to get God to give him peace. He knew how to get God. And how did he do it? He starts rehearsing the past things that God has done. See, David represents a believer with a relationship. Saul represents believers with no relationship, only service. And we got a lot of them. Sometimes the people that are serving we think are the strongest, and it's not always that way. Listen, you need to serve. But we need to serve from a place of understanding and knowing our God. Because later on, Saul was kicked out of the way and David was given his position. The proper person put in position because they knew their God. And listen, you're either going to be a Christian like Saul or you're going to be one like David. I wish we can raise up a church of David Christians. We don't just associate with God, we know God. And when the world's falling apart, when our business is going through a winter, we don't quit. We don't give up. We hang on because summer's on the way. We hang on because God is with us. And we encourage ourselves by remembering what God did. Look at Re Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. I'm almost done. It says this. It, it's revealing to us what David knew and found out that there's a weapon that you and I have that defeats the devil every single time. He says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb 
and by the word of their testimony, your testimony. Listen, you got to start speaking to that circumstance in your life that's discouraging you. You got to start telling yourself, oh, I will get married. Oh, yeah, he's out there. Oh, yeah, she's out there and she's fine, too. And she's anointed. Hey, and she could cook. Hey, and he's out there and he's going to treat me good. Hey, and he's going to love my daughter, too. Hey, he's going to he has it together. He's there. See what I just did? I brought some peace in the room right there for somebody in here. I'm going to pay my bills. Oh, this business is going to work. It's going to work and it's going to work good and it's going to expand. And I'm going to open another business and I'm going to leave it to my son. So you got to get up and you got to start talking. But to get there, you got to understand this, the power of your own testimony. The problem with a lot of Christians is we forget. You forget what God already did. Isn't this the problem with Israel when they came out of Egypt? I always blows my mind that they were such complainers. Because like. Y'all saw the angel of death come through and kill everybody's firstborn except yours. You saw the Red Sea parted. You walked by fish and all these different animals and things in the water, and you walked across on dry land. All you had to do was look up and you saw the cloud shielding you from the sun in the desert and the, and the pillar of fire in the night. And even though they saw all these things, every time a crisis arose in their life, they freaked out. Take us back to Egypt. We can't beat them. We will never go into the promised land. They're giants. We're grasshoppers. That story is for you and I to learn. Don't be like them. You're going to face trials, but have peace in the midst of the chaos. And what David is trying to teach you here is this. When you're feeling down, and hey, we all feel down. We will all deal with depression. We will all deal with anxiety. We will all deal with worry. I do it, you'll do it. But here's the thing. We've got to know how to get up out of it. And this is what you've got to catch. What David is trying to teach us is that whenever we remember all that God has done, It'll give you peace. When they're telling you, looks like we found a lump and uh, we're going to have to start this surgery or this procedure, you need to pull away and you need to go, God, you did this in my life. You got me off of drugs. God, you sent me a beautiful wife. You called me into the ministry. Lord, I'm not ready to die yet. Lord, I believe you can get me through this. And see, the recalling of what God has done will flood your heart with peace. But too many Christians forget. And here's what they do. They only focus on the present. Don't just focus on the present. Remind yourself what God has done. I want you to write this down. Praise brings peace. Because praise brings him. And David knew that. That was David's understanding that if I could just pull away and reflect on what God has done and who he is, peace will come into my situation. But here's what I want you to catch, because I believe we're making this mistake in America. It's not just about seeking peace 
It's about seeking him because he is peace. See, we're good at crying out for things that God has in his hands and saying, God, give us this, give us that. But the Bible says this, that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And the reason our praise and the reason our testimony brings him into the room and the reason peace comes is basically because he is in the midst of us. Psalms 22 verse 3 says like this in the New King James Version. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. That word enthroned there is the word yizbah. It's a Hebrew word. And it means to sit and remain sitting. It means to inhabit, to dwell. It implies ownership and control and authority. See, what David understood was this. If I could just praise God, he'll show up. If I could just give, if I could just give him thanks for what he's done in my life, he'll show up. Psalm says we build him a throne with our praise. And what that means is when we sing praises for what he's done, we literally erect in the unseen realm a throne where he comes and sits in authority. And what you got to understand, and we don't understand this in the West because we have a president, we have congressmen, we have senators. But when you understand Eastern uh, government and the way a king works, when a king sat down to exercise authority, his very word, or listen, his very voice could change everything for you. David understood this. I like what it says in Psalms 22, 3, in the, in the old King James Version. It says, you are holy and you inhabit the praises of your people. You know what that means? He comes and lives in our praises. You want God to come to your house? Just put some worship on and just start thanking him. Say, God, I remember when I was lost and my friend invited me to church and I came and you saved my soul. Lord, I remember being in a prison cell. Remember all the dumb stuff I was doing. And I deserved that prison cell, Lord, but you took me out of it. You gave me a new life. See, when you do that, the Bible says we enthrone God. He comes in the room and he brings his authority. Think about this. It's what happened in Acts chapter 16, 23 and 26. You guys know the story. Paul and Silas are thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. It wasn't a prison like we've got downtown Sac. It was a prison with human excrement all around it and rats and water and just nastiness. And they put them in stocks. And the Bible says that around midnight, Paul and Silas started praying. And here it is. And started singing hymns to God. Even though they were in prison, even though they were in stocks, they began to give God praise for who he was. And when you read the story, you see what happens there. Then suddenly a great earthquake came so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Guys, you know why? Because two guys 
decided to seek his face. And when you do that, God came in the room. And when he came in the room, he started exercising authority. That door's got to open. That guy's going free. That guy's going free. Guys, you got to understand, this is why we have praise and worship service before the word. I know some of you come in halfway late because you don't understand. I'm trying to teach you something now. So you think, if I just get there for the word, I can get something. But what you're missing is the most important, most valuable piece is that when we lift up God, he comes in the room. And if I could get a church full of people understanding that when he's in the room, how to respond to him when he's in the room, prison doors will open in your life. Chains will break in your life. And it's not only when you just come to church. Lift up his name at home when you're feeling down in the dumps. Praise, guys, brings his presence. Brings his presence. In America today, I think we're falling in love with praise and worship, but we're missing what it's doing. We love the songs. We love the peace that comes with it, but we ignore who brings the peace. We'll get in and we'll sing songs and we'll bask in his glory and we'll cry and we'll put it on in our car and we'll love the effects, but we'll forget the one who's causing those effects. What I'm trying to do to you today is if you're going to find peace, this is what you need to take away today. If you're going to find peace in a world of chaos, you got to look for him. Because he's the peace. You got to seek his presence. You got to get him into your room, into your relationship, into your job, into the church. And all you got to do is be thankful. To let you go today, I just want to give you, the, what's the recipe to his presence? Number one, it's praise. Whenever you praise, he comes in your situation. Number two, it's the knowledge of his lordship. Understand this, know your role. You know what that means? That means when you're praising God, understand he's God and you're not. We're so disrespectful sometimes in our praise services. We're so calling common what is holy. We walk around, we check our phones. We're on Facebook during praise and worship. We're just kind of like singing the songs and we're in it, but we're not in it. We enjoy the music, but we don't enjoy his presence. And so you know what happens? You leave here just as stressed out, just as full of anxiety, just as messed up as when you came. But if I could get a church that would understand I got to go after his presence. How do I get his presence? Hey, listen, you don't just need to come here. You need to just praise his name. You need to acknowledge his lordship. And the third thing is this. Instead of complaining, just be thankful. I know you're sick, but it could be worse. I know you're in pain, but it could be worse. Be thankful that it's not. I know your job sucks, but at least you got a job. I know your man's a little off, but at least you got a man. Come on, are you tracking with me? When are we gonna start being thankful? When did start being thankful? Those three components will bring his presence every time. You'll fill him in the room. 
Never forget you used to be an addict. Never forget some of you when you were teenagers, you were cutters because you didn't have a father. Never forget that he pulled you out and he made you semi-normal. Come on. We're working on the rest of the way. You shouldn't have the life. I know for a fact, I look at my life sometimes and I go, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve the kids that I have, the wife that I have, the life that I have. I know who I am, God. But you know what a lot of us do? We believe our own hype. <laughs> you think you climbed that ladder to success. You think it was your looks that got your husband. You think it was you, 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 but you got to quit believing that hype. That's what I mean by knowing the role. He's God, not you. And anything you accomplished, he gave you the strength to accomplish it. Anything you did, he gave you that ability to do it. And when you take time and thank him for that, he always comes in the room. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.